Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another episode of No Head, where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. This podcast is available in all the podcast apps. And if you haven't subscribed, please take a moment and subscribe. And please rate me. It really helps others discover this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nohead Podcast. How are you doing, breathers? Yeah, that's my name for all of you who are taking time to breathe and be in the present moment. If you're tuning in for the first time, my name is Dorothy Ooko. When I'm not doing my day job in communications, I facilitate a mindfulness course at Google called Search Inside Yourself. The quote for today's episode is from Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise you because I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My guest today is Kevin Mochiro. He is a writer, journalist, podcaster, and host of Nipe Story in Swahili meaning Give Me a Story, a fortnightly podcast that gives voice to African fiction. He was recently featured in Vogue as one of the activists fighting to improve LGBTQI rights in Africa. Kevin is passionate about creating a positive legacy for future generations of queer Africans. He's a cancer survivor. But more than all these accolades, Kevin is an optimist, a wonderful human being who is generous and authentic. Whenever I chat with Kevo, I leave feeling energized and good about life. Welcome to the podcast, Kevo. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I'm a little emotional. Um, Yeah. I am so glad you made time because the last time I saw you physically face to face was many years ago. Mm -hmm. I I think it was 2017. Look at that, 2017, exactly. And then we get to have this. So I'm really thrilled and I'm looking forward to our session. Asante, thank you for having me. As is usual, we begin the podcast with a breathing exercise to get us to fully arrive and be in the present moment. Will you join me? Definitely. Thank you. So we will breathe in to a count of five, hold, and then release through the mouth slowly to a count of five. Let's begin. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. You now let your breathing return to its normal rhythm. Breathing effortlessly. Letting your breath lead you. Not controlling anything, just feeling your breath. And coming back to this present moment, 
Thank you. How was that for you? It was actually very good. Two things happened. I I went back to the time where I was introduced to breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in 2015 when I was diagnosed with cancer. I started well, is that doing, when you started the breathing yeah, exercises? Yeah, Kabisa Transcendental Breathing. Right. Yes, yeah. Vincent Olo, plug. Yes! <laughs> Vincent Olo was here. He yes, was my guest. Yes, yes. Ah. It was Vincent. He, he just changed that journey for me, the initial stage. Mm. Then as I was healing, I just got a thought, like, this is so cool. I, I'm taking on that whole mantle of, of healing and I'm like, I need to do this with other people more. Right. Other leaders within the, within the LGBTQ space where I'm like, I need to offer healing. And, right. I, and, I, and someone gifted me a book on breathing. That is lovely. The other exercise we do, which is a body scan, just allowing us to feel every part of our body and being in touch with our bodies because sometimes we are not really in touch with our body i i learned to listen to my body yeah. and i'm learning to listen to my body even more right we're going to talk about That's that how. one of the first questions i ask guests is how was 2020 for you and what were the lessons you learned from the pandemic i think the first lesson for 2020 for me was i think mother nature needed to breathe you know, I'm like, I think the universe had said, enough, enough, enough with you humans, enough, stop. Because we literally stopped. You know, those of us who had planned, like, March I'll be here, April I'm here, me, this me, is me. me. Yeah, yes. We, yes. we had our travel schedules, our miles sorted, <laughs> you know. And I think the universe said, no, I'm going to show you who's boss. I think and the universe showed us, life showed us who was boss. I think for me also, uh, as a person, I'm like, wow, I needed to stop. I did lose some income, but on the other hand, I had new experiences. So I was, I was on that space like, what are you teaching me? What do I mm. learn from this? Um, one of the key things I learned was use what you have. You know, um, I think there was one time I was broke. I'm like, I, maybe I should go to the shop. And then I just got this phrase, use what you have. So I opened the pantry and I had a meal. I'm like, I had so much food. So I've right. used and I've carried that and I encourage people to look, use what you have. Use your talents, use, use what you have. And then you look at That's life so differently. Yes. I'm like, this is what you have. And I'm using that even in my creativity. Use what you have. So that was one, 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 one of the lessons. Mm. Yeah, even in, in the confinement, because we are locked in in Kilifi. Right. And a lot of things, use what you have. Like Kilifi County starts in Mtuapa goes all the way past Malindi. Mm-hmm. So when I was bored of Kilifi, I'd go to other parts of the county. So I was, you know, I'm like, oh, you go to, right. I'm like, no, there's so much of the county and I didn't even right. get to a third of it to explore. It asked, the pandemic asked, taught me to look within, you know, where, where I was at and like, yeah, to rest. Right. It, it taught me to right. rest. It taught me to respect the universe a lot more, to expect mm. them, to expect this, to respect this planet and take it like you have, we have to look after this planet. We have to look after right. this planet, you know? Do you think that lesson has been learned by the human race? Because we're humans. So those who got it, got it. And then, and it forced me to also do a lot of being, to, to, to trust, to right. trust this process. I think resilience is a word that I think it's very, it brings out different emotions in people, but it just shows us how resilient as human beings we can be. 
And I think if the universe was trying to show us that they're still good, mm. you know, they're still good and we are human beings of like, with what you have reinvented, and I think we had gotten comfortable as right. human beings right. that we like, how do we reinvent? And I think that's how we evolve. So I think for me, 2020 was a, was fundamental in the sense that we had to evolve to a new way of thinking. We had to evolve to a new way of living. Mm. You know, unfortunately, it was also a culling. You know, and I, and I don't mean that in a bad mm. way because lives mm. were lost, but it was also that. Right, exactly. But mm. it was also how we as human beings, I think we had mm. gotten comfortable with the way the world was. And we had to grow. And I think this was our growth. Mm. This was a kick in the ass to grow. Yeah. And look at where we are now. But we if we learned to question so many things. Do mm. we need to be in the office space? Do we need to travel more? Do we need all these clothes? Do we, do we need all these clothes? Right. You know? Mm. And even the internet. Mm. I'm gonna show you a new way mm. of using the internet. Right. I'm gonna show you a new right. way of working. Mm. I'm gonna show you a new way of producing festivals. Mm. I'm gonna show you a new way of living. That's right. what I think the pandemic did right. for us. And if you're open to learning, and I realize if I don't adapt, I die. Yes. If we don't adapt, we die. Yeah. We all die. So me, I'm like, okay, so what yeah. are you showing me? I may not be a fan of virtual meetings and conferences constantly. Mm. I miss human touch and that's one right. of the things I miss. But that is one aspect. So someone's understanding a friend, I miss human touch because mm. that's my primary love land. Like, so what's the next one? Mm. So I had to ask myself, what's the what next one? What is your next one? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know? Because yeah. this one, you know, is not there. What's the next one? You know, I remember during the fact that first few months I used all my three minutes because you're we were having long conversations and checking in on people how are you right two hours later yes we're still on the phone um 2020 was a good year it wasn't a wholly bad year it was, mm. it was a good year in the sense that work came in ways that I didn't imagine and I learned very many diff different things mm. Um, I was busy. I thought, you know, I lost some conference. I used to moderate mm. MC. So I'm like, hi, yeah, I've lost this. What's going to happen to yeah. you? Right. But work still came in. So I'm grateful for that. Um, I think I started meditating even more. Is that cooking more? There's that initial thing where you cook more and... Yes, I cooked more. Yeah, I and did. then after yeah. some time, I'm like, hey, this cooking will make you fat. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was right. introduced to Netflix. Yes. Thanks to 2020. That was where auntie. I, I, I would, you know, I would yes. not binge. Yeah. Because that's not like me. Yeah. I read more. Mm. You know, I was ordering books and I was reading more. Mm. So I was, um, I was, and I chose so to. So you like, had new, these new experiences actually that you're talking absolutely. about. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, it was that. And did I write more? I, I don't know. But I was still creative, but mm. I recognize I still need to keep Nipe's story going for people who right. want to listen. Right. Your followers uh, who are keen, yeah. who expected. I think 2020 got me ready for 2021. And and how this, you know, we all thought, hey, 2021 will be different. And I think that. Do you think it will be different? Because I think that's what everyone keeps saying. Oh, we're waiting for life to return to normal. And I'm like, no. I think we're evolving and we are, yes, we're as human beings, exactly. we have to evolve. Yeah. For me, it was a learning lesson. And when people are saying, oh, guys are dying, this, and, and you know, the whole being in quarantine, vaccinations mm. and everything, social distancing and the stigma that mm. came around people who are tested positive for COVID-19. Right. It was like, this it took me back to 1984, 1985 during, during the AIDS pandemic. And as a queer person, as a gay man, like, ah, this is how you did this to us in 1984. 
2020 was a great equalizer. It was. It was a great equalizer. And you learning from this thing, this is an equalizer. And living in a peri-urban, semi-rural mm. town, mm. the guys were like, e-pandemic, we're suffering. This thing has been brought to Kenya by people who have money. Yes. They're not traveling. Yes. Yes. It was right. it was like people learn to exercise, people learn to live healthy, people yeah. live healthier or live healthy. Yeah. You know, so for me it was it was many things that I that I took out of 2020. There was still sorrow. It well, the blow wasn't as heavy as this year. Um, yeah, I feel like this year there's there've been more de- at least totally. around me. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're feeling the impact of Yeah. I started lighting a candle for every time some I had a specific candle for people who passed on from cancer. There's one time I just lit it a lot more, like guy, I'm lighting this candle yeah. again. Yeah. You know, it was twenty twenty was many things. I choose it was it was many things. It it right. shined and rained on all of us. You've talked about cancer, and I was, I was going to, to, to come to that, but let's talk about cancer. I think that when I look at the lessons, you know, and you're going to talk to us about the lessons you learned from cancer and your journey with cancer, and then could anything be worse than that? And then comes COVID, or did your experience then prepare you for, for, for the pandemic and what you're going through? Interestingly, I'm part of a support group mm. of other cancer fighters and survivors. Mm. And we were like, ah. so you've been here before. When I came back from India, there was a sanitizer everywhere in the right. house. I'd already lived with, I went for my treatment in India. You know, I remember going through the Delhi and on the streets wearing a mask. When mm. I came back to Kenya, I, I used to wear a mask eventually. And mm. guys used to look at me, you know, I'm like, me, I'm protecting myself from you guys. Because you, you could, con- yes. Yeah, because my, yeah, my immunity had been compromised. Mm. I mean, we, we had been, most of us had been in, in situations where we were alone or had been isolated. So we're like, this is not new. We already have the tools of the trade, so mm. to speak. You know, so it made it easier when people are like, oh, what were your symptoms? You know, like my muscle pain, skeletal pain. I'm like, oh, okay. got that through chemo. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was that like, oh, you know, we we already have our war wounds already. Right. Right. We've been in this, we're on a different battle and little did you know that that battle with cancer yes. had prepared us for this battle now right. with COVID. So you felt you're more prepared. Kind of, sort of. This is a deja vu. Kind of, sort of. Right. But you know, the scary thing is like, we didn't know how, as as individuals living in a pre-existing, not pre-existing yeah. condition, how it was going immunity. How, how our bodies would handle it. So I was a little, I was scared. I was mm. scared because I'm like, wow, if this thing she has me, will I, as I said, will I manage? Right. <laughs> Tell us, so from the time, the diagnosis, this is what you have, and then your journey to India. Just walk us through, what is it? Because I I feel like there's more cancer around us now. And I wonder, when you receive that information, you know, your reaction to it, what it does, and then your decision, I'm going to fight this, or this is too much for me. I think I want to... Yes, like you said, there's more cancer around, around because right. I think there's a lot more awareness. Uh, Science has grown in the sense that people are like, oh, let's, people, there's a lot more research around cancer. You know, a lot more doctors are able to see symptoms 
and I'm like, maybe let's 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 rule out this. this, this. I think there's just a lot. Mm. There's a lot of money, and I'm grateful. A lot of money is going into cancer research, mm. Mm. so that people are able to recognize that it's not just one cancer that we should be worried about. There's right. there's so many other things, mm. you mm. know. When now that I'm beginning to, when I ask my doctor this, I'm like, I'm meeting more people who have myeloma. Mm. What's happening? It's like no, we're just now we're now empowered to. We now we ha- now have a lot more knowledge to look at the symptoms and say this is not just this it is this. Because yours was the first time I'd heard of my lot. To be honest, it was the first time. I mean, yeah. You know, so now yeah. today I got a message from someone in Belgium who's been diagnosed with multiple right. myeloma, and they want me to help him. Like, oh, so this is this is how I'm being used right. now. You right. know, right. so there is a lot. It's an expensive disease. So mm. going back to the question is, ah oh, man. Aga Khan Hospital, October 2015. And every October after that will never be the same. Mm. Um, my favorite aunt, Judy, had just passed in September, I think, from, what was it? It was breast cancer. And I think when I got diagnosed with my cancer, uh, people said, tell me not to say mine. When I got diagnosed with the cancer, right. yeah, guys were still, my, my, the relatives who had come in from, the UK and Canada, my aunts, and like they were still here. Yani, they had still still in Mombasa. Right. And the After next the funeral, thing, yeah, yes. I think a week or two later, they had been told Kevo has cancer. I remember saying, "This is not going to be my story. I mm-hmm. cannot. We, as we as a family, mm-hmm. will not have another Mazishi, another funeral." Right. You say that to yourself. Yeah, I'm like no. Yeah. Not, not not again. Not again. You know. So it was it was it was that I it was. It was that by saying not again. Mm. And I think it was progressively right. progressing. This is not going to, this is not how this story is right. going to end. At least not now. And that was in your mind, in your being. Yeah. How important is that the stories that we tell ourselves about whatever situation we are going through? But how important is it as a cancer survivor, as someone who survived 2020 and went 2021? How important is it the words we tell ourselves, the stories we tell ourselves about our situation? For me, it's been interesting in the sense that I've struggled with self-esteem, being a gay man and thinking I'm a lesser man because I love men, Mm. I'm not a proper man, Mm. you know. And I think there's been a lot of self, low self-esteem for many years. To the point that I tell myself, I never saw myself as handsome. I never saw myself as smart because no one has affirmed that. Mm. You know, there wasn't much affirming. Mm. So I, I found myself, this is just recent, a few mm. years ago, even just like last year, you know, mm. I said, okay, well, you're handsome, you're mm. beautiful, and I'm learning to see myself the way the world sees me. Right. You know, so there's a lot right. of there's a lot of that. I didn't want to be that warrior person, warrior and a cancer, where instant right. people go into pity. I'm like, but this thing, not everyone dies from cancer. Why are you constantly looking at the glass half empty? I think there are very many cancer survivors. Mm. But we sometimes we forget to recognize the people who have come out successfully with this or even have fought in the way that they did. Um, it's Stuart, there's a book, American writer Stuart Scott, who says, it's, not, it's how you live with cancer. That is the victory. That is the bigger, the bigger story. It's how you live with it. It's how you live with the situation. It's how you live with the thing that life mm-hmm. has, the cards that life has dealt you. Yes. That is the is. bigger thing. Right. I've become a big fan of the Paralympics. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and, and this year I watched a lot more Paralympics than the Olympics. And like I started knowing names of like this person is really good. Yeah, you know, right. you're like, you've overcome so many odds. I'm like, why aren't we learning from this? Right. You know, so I think yeah. it's the, the the power of words is important. Mm. And I think we have to that's why for me it is important to to validate people. Mm. You know, to tell people you are worth something, you are beautiful. Mm. And a key thing for me, a phrase I use uh, is for myself and I'm part of a support group, mm. is we, we're constantly telling one another we are enough. Yes. I tell I myself mean, that all the time. Am, yeah, and I'm telling I'm myself enough. I am enough. Mm. Mm. I am enough. Right, right. I'm enough for me. Yes, yes. So I'm okay. Yeah. I'm enough for me. So I think that is important that I am enough to believe I am enough. Right. So I think word, when people say words have power, words mm. indeed have power. So for me, it's been important, not just hearing it from other people, but telling myself. Important, yes. Yes, that you are beautiful, you are smart, you are intelligent, mm. you are, and I, so phrase I picked from, from, I think from the Bible, yeah, from the mm. Bible, that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. made. Yes, fearfully, beautifully and wonderfully made. Everybody. Right. And that applies, that's why I find it difficult when people pick judge or think of themselves better than someone else. Right. Why do you, you told God to make you like this? Yes. I don't think that I tell people they're no ugly people. Yes. They're no ugly people because of weird, like you said, we're fearfully and beautifully made. No one, yeah. no one got a chance to the opportunity to say, make give me short hair, give me a mm. white nose, give mm. me a big breast, give mm. me big thick thighs, give me this, make me tall, and I, I'll send me that. Right. No one. I think for me, words like Namaste, I see you, I recognize the yes. soul, and I see the you. The light and you. then it's, it's, it's absolutely right. great absolutely fun, fundamental yeah. for my yeah. journey and I've embraced mm. that you know so for me it, it is that mm. where I'm getting to that space where I'm enough you know I'm no better than anybody else mm. because I didn't choose to be born careful with the talents and that I have with the faults with the vices yeah. this this yeah I didn't but it's what I do with what I've been given use what you have I love that and you know, in, in mindfulness, one of the things we are taught is also about being non-judgmental about whatever it is we are going through. And I have taken it to be also just being non-judgmental about other people. It's a and being non-judgmental about myself. So the things you may not like because they don't look like whatever, being able to embrace that and embrace what you have and say, but I am enough. This is good. And this works well for me, you know. Sir. And and so I really I really appreciate that. Diagnosed in May in in October twenty fifteen, did six months of chemotherapy. Along the way, I was just I received so much kindness. And because you're me, a kind person, I started. It was a tough lesson. You beget to you beget what you give. I really I'm believe learning. that. I'm learning. Yeah. And and I remember my therapist telling me, Kevin, be open to receiving. Yes. It's hard though. Hey. It was a tough lesson. It was Be tough. Open to because I was like, yeah, because I don't drive, you know, and yeah. I don't have a car. No license and people don't understand that. But mm. I'll get you my driver. He's free. Use him for until this particular time. So I'm like, should I give you money for fuel? Mm. They're like, no, 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 no. What do you need? We are here to serve you. It was hard. Mm. I, I believe in servant leadership. I am I I I love giving. Mm. So it was really hard to receive. And my therapist telling me, you're denying people the joy that you are. Yes, you exactly. bestow on yourself. Give them that. Mm. Stop being selfish. 
which was such an interesting way of like infusing to to yes. to receive I was being selfish. Yes, and um, arrogant. Yes. Yes. So I had to stop being yeah. selfish and receive. So part of the receiving was friends inviting me to their house in Kilifi, mm. you know, Nawaz and Wahida. Like, we're here, they live in Switzerland. Like, mm. we've got this house, we're here for a month. And you want to hang out with you? Mm. Calm down. These are the dates, calm down. So they shared Kilifi with me. So we'd wake up early in the morning with Kamal, who was also visiting at that time. And we'd, I'd say, greet the sunrise. Oh, it's beautiful. Kabisa. Mm. And then Kamal would go and swim. And because I wasn't able to do much physical activity, mm. I moved for like an hour. So it was, while at Kilifi, I made decisions about where, what hospital I want to go to in India and being at peace because guys are like, oh, no, don't go to India, go to Germany, go to Israel. Mm. I'm like, where are these shoes coming from? <laughs> As much as we were fundraising, mm. as much as we were fundraising, I was also like, am I ashamed about going to India? Like, mm. I don't want to be like everybody else who's mm. going to India. I'm like, but I'm like, my doctor has vouched for this hospital. Right. That was my decision. And I made my peace. I'm like, we're going mm. to India. We're going to India and we're going to this hospital. So right. I made that decision while on, well, on, on, yes. on the Kiwi from the Bofa Beach. And then the other decision was also how I want to grow as, an, as, as a person, mm. professionally, in the, as, as, as an individual. Mm. And I remember daring the universe and saying, if I'm going to, if you're going to make me stay in Kenya, because I'd struggled for many years, I'd always wanted to travel and live right. abroad and stuff. Mm. And I'm like, if, you, if I stay in Kenya, if you make me stay in Kenya, then give me Africa. I love that. Give me Africa. And I'm still greedy for Africa. You know, so Kilifi and the decisions that I made in Kilifi, made me really bond with Kilifi. So Kilifi has a special place in my right. heart. You know, so I'm like, okay. And I was able to come back to Nairobi and say, we're going to India, we're going to this hospital. Right. And after this, I just know my work is in Africa, right. based in Kenya. So that's that's how Kilifi, you know, seared a place in my heart. And I wasn't able to go back to Kilifi, I think, until, I think, December 2017. Wow. And when I went back and, like, was working out on the beach, and something asked me, why are you going back to Nairobi? The sea is here. And I'd been looking for a place to call home. I'm like, the sea is here. And I cashed in on some, some pension schemes. Mm. And I'm like, I have the most money that I've had. And mm. I was already working virtually. Right. And I quit my job. Why are you going back to Nairobi? To December 2017. That's when you made it. So now I'm like, I'm not so going back I found to Nairobi. A house. Yeah. yeah, I found a house that during that trip. Then I came back in Nairobi just to wind things down. Da 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 da. Mm. March first, March first, March second, 2018. I was already in Kilifi. So you are ahead of the pack because you went to Kilifi. It's now that you sort of hear Nairobians have decided enough of Nairobi. We are going to Lamu. We are going. We're to... going to Kenya. We're going. <laughs> That's, That's how where, where, where people are discovering their country now. Exactly. Thanks to COVID. So, you know, this this idea of you were there way before. What are some of the joys of being out of this, the hub of the city, the bustling city? I'm living. You're I'm living. living. I'm living. Mm. I'm living. And if I get emotional, it's because I've been given life. I'm living. And you're looking good. I have I, to tell I, you that. You're looking so good. I'm like... Is this is this the Kilifi air? Maybe I should it's just the, it's the should I move? It's, it's lack of pollution. It's clean yes. air. My skin is better. It's true. It is. It it's, is. It's, it's, Your skin it's, is glowing. Yeah. Like, you know. And then, I'm like, I need that. And then I realized this country. I know nothing about my country. Mm. It just realized I'm so ignorant of this country. I was ignorant about my coastal heritage. You know, I'm like, I have so. I I realize I know so little. Mm. And I'm here to learn. 
you know, and I learned to appreciate. Like, if you don't have this, you mm. either learn how to make it mm. or you live without it. Right. There's no shopping mall in Kifi mm. We had Tuskies, and those Tuskies and small Maduka Maduka there, that right. was it. Oh, you still don't, mm. you don't have a car full. Car full, you know, <laughs> but it's also changed my, my consumerism is gone. That's I get irritated. I'm like, there are so many things I don't know what to choose from me. I want out. I want out. I want right. out. That's that I learned to, one of the key lessons I learned that Kili first taught me is know what your enough is. Mm, I like that. Know what your enough so is. So I had to ask myself, what is my enough? Mm. Do I need 10 pairs of shoes? Do I need all these suitcases? Do right. I need... So I've learned to ask mm. myself, even when you're coming to pitch for work, people say, ask for 600k, but... My enough is could be three hundred. My enough could be two hundred. And that's what determining your decisions. Your enough. My enough. So to anyone listening, know what your enough is. Mm. Then once you know your what your enough is, everything after that is a bonus. Yeah. You know, so it's taught me to know my enough. It's taught mm. me that nature is beautiful. It's I've learned a whole. I have a whole new relationship with the sea. I I respect nature more. I have a. Mm. I feel a lot more grounded. Mm. Life has become simpler. Simpler. And there's uh-huh. nothing wrong. You know, my friend Pinky, who moved from Nairobi and lives, uh, she got married and moved to Mombasa. She's like, Kevo, you've learned there's no fire. I'm like, yes. <laughs> We're not rushing anywhere. Yeah, there's no fire beautiful. we are chasing, but there's no fire chasing yeah. after us. Yeah. That is no such fire. a beautiful life. And that's almost the mindful life we are looking for because I think we are always just rushing for the next excitement. This mm. and the next that and the next that. And we're never really there to embrace the moment. You know, your walks at the beach when you're talking about it or this oneness with nature and just being quiet before totally. nature. And that's, a, for me, it's a good source of creativity. It's a Absolutely. good source of creativity. Mm. I remember the, my first house and then um, the landlords at the PA came to look at the house, you know, mm. as I was moving out to assessments, like, you have no shops? And they hit me. I'd been there five months. He hadn't hit me. There were no shops nearby. I'm like... Oh, yeah, there are no shops nearby. It's like, yeah. if you need anything, you have to go to Kilifi, which is like four kilometers. Okay. Like, yeah. Oh, that's a good walk. Yeah, I'm like, Kobe, I'm like, wow. It hadn't hit me, like, there are no shops nearby. Yeah. I have to go into Kilifi. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm like, oh, wow. It was easy. It was, thought it was so interesting to see how Nairobi fell off so easy. I, mean, I was born in Brady, mm. like, mm. by now there's called that, this is Shags for me now, I've come to Shags. The family's here, so I've come to Shags mm. to visit. But it was so interesting to see how this city just fell off, like a cloak, mm. it just dropped off. And you're lighter. Kabisa. And happier. Yes. And your skin is glowing. My skin so. is glowing. I'm not saying that, I think we just, I just, I don't know why I need to say, put this in thing. Life is not easier. Like There's still, challenge, still challenges yeah. every day. Right. You know, sometimes it's erratic power mm. and, and, you know, water. But well, we have erratic still, power in Nairobi as well. Yeah, yeah. there's still problems that every other yeah. person... But you know what? When it gets tough, I go to the sea. Mm. I'm, like beach. Mm. I'm going to walk. I like what you said, like, it's not easier. And I think the quest for human beings to have an easier life, maybe that's where the problem with our life is because we're thinking there's an easier life. It's simpler. Yes, it's simpler. I live right. a much more simpler yeah. life. Which than means I used to. yes, less baggage. You don't need so many pairs of shoes. You don't need it's just a simple life. Yes. Better. Yeah. So yeah. I've been grateful that I've been given that. I have a whole new appreciation of Kenya. Yeah. And yeah. how beautiful, beautiful this country is. 
talk to me about daring the universe because when we talked about that, I loved it. And I feel like we need to be daring the universe. And so in mindfulness, we have this thing of the predictive brain. What you tell your brain manifests itself. That's why it's so important that we have the right affirmations as well and that we tell ourselves these things that I'm beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully made, that I am enough, that I am good as it is, I'm, you know, whatever it is. And, and, and so when I think about you are daring the universe, I want, give me the whole of Africa. That's what I want. And it's, it's unfolding. Mm -hmm. It is unfolding. Mm -hmm. How can people be more daring? Like this idea of ask. Do not be content with a little because you're making yourself small, mm -hmm. which doesn't serve you. Mm -hmm. But feel yourself and dream and have a big vision of what you can do. Yeah, it's interesting when I when I, I I used to go to I used to live near a cliff, you know, so I used to look up, I used to look down onto the sea or I, not on the beach but mm. just looking at the sea from a cliff top mm. is so different I can imagine it's yeah. so different and then I realized that for me just represented opportunity when people say the world is your oyster I'm like okay, well, look at all this this is ending mm. opportunity mm. take this opportunity just the same way mm. you're taking in the sea there's no limitation right it is endless mm. Australia is you know but this sea will connect all the way to Australia right. But there's also I, there's a, I recognize my smallness within this, with the mag, around the magnific, mag, magnificence of the, mm. the universe mm. and how beautiful it is right. and how this planet is. But it also showed me, boss, you can do anything. Right. Look at the sea. It's limitless. I love that. You can do anything. And no one told us, maybe my product of 844, you know, 844 did tell us we could do anything. We were told you, if you do this, you get, whether you're 844 or the old system, mm. you know. The old system. Yeah, so whether you get three A's and then you go this. And right. If you've got three A's, you have to do become. Mm. You're going to Kabete. You, you couldn't have like three A's and like, but I want to become a teacher. Right. Oh, no, it wasn't. So we were, we were robbed of all those opportunities. We were robbed of opportunity to be ourselves. Yeah. You know, it, I remember when I was picking... Uh, my courses for university, the one course that I said, I wasn't keen on going to university, was a BA in anthropology. I'm like, this course is good. It is. But my first course was still BCom because that's what I was expecting. And that's, your parents would go, yeah, BCom. Yeah. But I'm like, anthropology, like, what is that? I'm like, but I mean, like, this is the course me mm -hmm. I want to do. Even if I, I got an A minus, but I want, so I think we're just robbing young minds of opportunity by pigeonholing. So for me, I, I, I think once I realized I was free, and, and yes, I don't know what's the thing that made me dare the universe apart from mm. that is, wow. I think it's just many years of therapy mm. and just getting rid of that, of limitations of being put in a straight jacket. And then cause I started discovering, but I can do this. I realized mm. late in life I could dance and I was, yes. I loved dance. I realized mm. I could sing, I could act. Mm. So it was only in my later years as a young adult mm. that I realized I could do so much with myself. And, like, and then you look at you look at guys from the West who are busy going to Peru, to Machu Picchu, or right. coming here to Africa. Like, if, who are we to deny ourselves the world? And it has been given to us. Who are we to deny ourselves the world? It is ours. Yeah. And I also learned from uh, my our Nigerian brothers and sisters mm. who will travel even though the Nigerian passport mm. is, in some countries, is very suspect. Mm. 
you know, it's so difficult sometimes to get a visa. The denial rates, I think, are higher than for many of us. Right. I used to tell my colleague that if I leave my passport and he leaves his passport, his will just stay there. Yeah, you see, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. you're mean. I'm like, yeah, yours will just, no one, is, no one will steal it. But, don't, but yeah. that has not stopped them from traveling. You go to Heathrow in London, you steal there in the queue. And for being the brilliant mind. Yes, yeah. and you're like, how many times have you denied visas? Two or three times. But we're here in the queue with you who got yes. it for the first time. Yes. We didn't stop. We didn't stop knocking. And I'm mm. like, if you guys still are achieving mm. and traveling, then they're travelers. And, they're and travelers. that's how your mind expands as well, isn't it? And I'm grateful for my parents for giving yeah. us that opportunity to see the world, world right. differently. You know, so for me, it's yeah. that ask. And yeah. then it was funny, the group of us who are in that healing space, and this was a conversation we had last week, and we're talking about ask daring the ancestors yes. to ask us. And like my friend Itai was saying, the ancestors, the, the ancestors want you to ask for big things, then the work of big things. I so ask that. for big things. I believe that. And that is so unlike me. Oh, really? Totally. Uh, so I'm doing a lot of unlearning. Kenifi has right. made me unlearn so much unlearning. So I'm beginning to ask for big things. So I think that asking that for... was a and I think test for, for that. I was able to vocalize it because I remember right. when I finished so going back to school for my master's and mm. doing an MA in radio production. Mm. And guys like, there's an MA course in that. I li- Even now, I'm like, little did I know that this is what I was doing. Yes, the dots are joining Kamisa. to where you are now. And I'm like, I followed the course that I wanted. Yes. I went to, to back to Daystar, my alma mater for ASEM, and I'm like, this is not where I need to this is not for me. And mm. I stopped and people thought I was crazy. I was unemployed for a year because guys, like I'd left a good job and I'm here, tamaking mm. again. Went to school, dropped out. And then I, but I knew this is what I wanted and I pursued my dream. This is what I'm going through. But how do I know this is the knowing? This is it. There's a phrase we used to hear in church, you'll know in your knower. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the thing that makes you happy, don't mm. Mm. I, I just listening to radio used to excite me. I used to listen to the BBC in the morning. Mm. It just used to excite me. And I wanted, I wanted, like, I want that. It'd be great to be on TV. I did some screen screen tests, you know. But when I walked into the studio, I knew this is it. This is where I, I walk into a you studio. You felt at home. Kabisa. I get goose pimples sometimes when I walk into an audio studio. I'm like, wow, wow, this is it, this yeah. is it. And I'm grateful that I was able to listen to that. And I was doing it alone. Listen to that voice, yes. You know, and I think even as we'll touch on it later on, mm-hmm. when you come to terms with who you really are and how mm-hmm. you love being yes. attracted to men, mm-hmm. being gay, it's like, but this is who I am. And I recognize this is who I am. Talk to us about that journey. Wow. Coming to terms with who you are. Because the before that, where you're saying you're in a straight jacket, you're, be- you're, you're behaving as people expect and not embracing who you are, because you're not coming out fully. The full cable that people see is not there. How was well, the that? The full cable that I I knew the full cable was, that he could be was not there. Right. You knew it. Yes. Walk you, us through I that. Mean, it was things like a lot of that, that time. A lot of my friends were getting girlfriends and boyfriends. Mm. You know, back in the church days. At and what I, age were you when uh, you you're like this is this is not for me. I think I was 27, 28. 27, 28. Yeah. That is... I knew, but I was scared. Was it because you were not seeing someone else like you? Absolutely. 
and that there were no faces there was no exactly. one else I didn't know the queer people like, mm. and the ones I knew I'm like I was scared I was mm. scared of myself I was mm. scared of admitting to other people that I'm gay I was scared of I was scared of me even even in the church but I I was never I never condemned gay people I had this secret admiration that I couldn't tell people because right. you didn't have the courage then yeah and I'm like but they're living the life I wanted to live mm. even as I was in the church I'm like well that is what I want that is who I am but I can't be that. You know, I was in conversion therapy. I was getting hands laid on me. Mm. I was fasting. Did you Did you go through the conversion therapy? I, was like, I used to write it. This was pre-internet. Right. I'd write to organizations in America who mm. were into conversion therapy. Mm. They didn't use that word. You know, there's a mm. They're now disbanded. Exodus Exodus International. Right. I wrote to them. They sent me literature. Like, use these verses. I've because you said. felt what you are feeling inside there is something that is well, not right yes. and you need to make it right so you're a full normal human being. acceptance, exactly. For acceptance. But I was right. not attracted to women. Yeah. At all. And you at knew all. it from age at all, 15. From as young as 11. That is Because I was talking to a friend who has kids and I was saying, actually, the thing is, people know. It's just you that know. in our African system, you know, we're talking about the movie that, did you watch it? Which one? Yesterday. I am... I am Samuel. Yes. yes I've watched Samuel. Yeah, oh, you've watched, I've watched it. it. And that in the village, because in the city, you sort of, you can read books, you can see that in the village, there's nothing. But I don't know. But people know, exactly. But people know, you'll know who you are. Yeah, you know who you are. You will know who you are. And I think for me, when I wrote the book Invisible, there's a guy introduced from Turkana. He didn't come to the city or an urban place until he was going to teach in college. But he knew he liked it boys and you right. liked men in Turkana and for me when I interviewed him I'm like it debunked everything this is not an urban thing but you know who you are you know you yes. know who you are yeah I like that you know you know who you are so for mm. me I had suppressed it for so long mm. I never I had a girlfriend I think after standard age you know because it's ones. correct it was yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like you like people say you guys look good together yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know we ticked the ball but through high school I never had a girlfriend mm. I did like one person mm. uh, and I did tell her but she wasn't interested mm. we became good friends after that there right. was no one after, no one after that mm. through through high school through university there was no one right. and I couldn't bring myself to put someone else through my life oh you are brave I think many people put people through that line yeah, because, yeah I mean yeah. I think there was one time there was this um, briefly when at this period when my friends were now dating and mm. getting engaged there was another lady who we sort of started hanging out, but mm. I was not attracted to her one bit. Mm. And I'm really sorry. And then when I'd go and visit her at her place of work, mm. and then one time I asked, like, why am I doing this? Mm. I am not attracted to this mama. She's pretty, would look good, mm. but I'm not attracted to her one bit. I just went, I stopped. That's, I just stopped. That's authenticity. Where I just stopped. integrity, because I think many people say, that's you want to look normal. But the thing is, the, the sad thing is, Dot, and forgive me if I get emotional, it's so unfair to the other person. And mm. why put you through this lie because I'm in it? And how much more pain? And it's unfortunate that some people who have gone that way right. and the choice that they have made, mm. but this was a choice I made. I'm like, I'm not going to put anyone through my lie. Mm. They do not deserve that. Just because I'm not brave mm. to speak my own truth, why am I going to put this person down so that we can right. suffer together? Back then, I'm like, I might as well be alone. I might as well be alone. Wow, I love that courage of yours because we are talking about, and I really admire this about you, Kevo, is this 
courage because we know that many people are not. I found there are many of us. There are many. Yeah. The more you see people who look like you, the more you're like, oh, so this is okay. What I'm feeling is not strange. And it encourages them to be... To be themselves. To be themselves. To not be... Have this low self-esteem because they're doubting who they are. Because I love differently. Or or this is not my assigned gender. And Mm. if I feel like a boy and I'm a girl. Or that kind of thing. You know? And and then I think when I I went to the UK, I I went through therapy. And one Mm. of my... First of all, I met people within the church who accepted me for who I am. But like, sometimes when I did struggle, when I would... Slightly embarrassed, you know, mm. and go out and have sex at night and then mm. be in church, you know, worshiping, right. you know, and then asking for forgiveness. But I'm like, right. oh, I'm at a club with other gay guys, but I need to be home by 11 so that I can get to church by, you know, and then I'm like, I'm really sorry, God, but you know, you know, mm. let's go into worship. But that mm. double life is hard. Mm. Wow, but it's hard. Why lie? It is so, so hard. And it's tiring. It is tiring. Yeah. It is so tiring. Mm. I'm like, who are you living for? Yeah. And I said, people, and, and my friends who are, who would not like, why are you dashing to church? You just hang out with us until six in the morning. Right. Like, no. Then, but they didn't judge me. There's like, this is your thing. You're from Africa. This, yeah. is, this, is, <laughs> this is how you guys roll. Sour. Then we'll see you on Friday. Like, okay, we'll see you on Friday again. You know, it was that. And they didn't dissuade me from, they're like, hang out with us. But they didn't stop me from mm. doing my Christian thing, my church right. thing then. But how was it being out where you could come out and be it and be yourself? Yet, it was freedom. To be free, to be free, to be free is such a beautiful thing. Where there are no more lies, there are no more right. secrets, there are no more shadows. To be free. To be free. It's a pity not many of us have been given that opportunity to be free. Right. And I was, and I'm like, but this is who I am. And then meeting other people who are who are free and, mm. and can fall in love and like, right. but I also want that. How is love a bad thing? The feeling you have as a straight person of falling in love. Mm. Connie, your love is different. Does it come in a different package? Mm. If it's heartbreak, we'll both. Yeah, I know friends are like, yeah, my right. friend of mine said, you know, his heart got broken. It's like I was on the floor for three days. Is that any different for many? That's no. that's a human feeling. Mm. And the giddiness is also a human yeah, feeling. It's not, it not specific to a particular type of race or gender or mm. re- creed. Mm. It's a human thing. Mm. So for me, it was just, wow, I could be. You know, so I remember walking into a, to my therapist, my first session with my therapist mm. in the UK and telling her, make me straight. Oh. And she just looked at me and it breaks like, my heart. Yeah. And like, I'm tired. I was tired of living the double life. Like, mm. You make me straight. Like this is crazy. Possible. Like it's possible. I had, I mean, that I, I talk about it now. I contemplated the thought of suicide because, like, mm. imagine in Gumu. But I remember sitting one time on the beach and, and I got a voice that said, You want to, you want to rob yourself of life mm. for because you're gay. Mm. How ridiculous is that? And then I'm like, Okay, so I'm done. But even from that moment to going and seeing Rose mm. was a journey to like, my journey to self acceptance was mm. like, all that. Mm. So that by the time I came back to Kenya, I was coming back to Kenya. I, I, you know, those days, the early days of the internet, you're going online. Like the other, this was on a site called Gate. There are 300 members in Kenya. I'm like, what? This was, I was seeing this in the UK. I'm like, what? what? Right. There are 300 profiles wow. in Kenya. So I'm not alone. Watch out, go back to Kenya and see how this thing will be. And right. I didn't want to come to Kenya inauthentic. Therapy had made me love myself. Right. I didn't want, you know, guys like... So that was the gift of therapy. Yeah. 
like a, you know, an acceptance, you know, where I didn't want to come back now. I came back when I was 33 and you're like, okay, now settle down, buy a car, buy a plot, mm. get a man. <laughs> like, this is madness. You, you know, not get some children. No, yeah, you know, I'm like, and then again, I'm like, I am not, still not going to live a lie. I'm not going to put any woman through this mm. just so that I can keep, make people happy and say, yeah. <sighs> I'm not going to do wow. that. I'm not going to do that. I hope there are other guys who, are, who, you know, that they're listening and saying, I'm not going to leave that. But what does it take? Because... I come, to, Yes. I used to say, me and my runaway groom, and I couldn't see myself sitting through an introduction, going to this girl's, this lady's parents saying, I want to marry your daughter. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'd have to live a lie and be this. Mm. And then you're going through dowry negotiations, mm. and then you're going through... And then I'm like buying a suit and then you're going, I just, it was not within me. I'm like, mm. I can't go through all this. It is too, it is too heavy a yeah. thing to carry mm. vis-a-vis by just saying, but this is who I am, I'm gay. Which one is heavier? Mm. I just have this one word saying I'm gay mm. instead of living all through these things that I, and I, right. I used to tell people, I'd meet back on that day at church. Right. I'm like, ah, CG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I just didn't, I couldn't, I, I I was weak. Mm. I told myself, I said, I'm weak. I didn't have the energy to live that lie. And then you came out, so you came back from London with the idea that I'm not, no more lies. I'm just going to be who I yeah. am. Yeah. And then how was that received? I slowly started coming out to my family and, mm. and close friends, you know, all these guys who are already now married with kids. Mm. And just saying, this is who I am. And just coming out honestly and having conversations with one-on-one -on -one conversations with everyone. It was tough. Like, I, I was scared I was going to lose my best friend. Right. I was scared I was going to lose so many friends. And like, okay, yes, with some individuals, we did drift apart. Mm. We did drift apart. Because I'm like, me, I'm not in that space of talking of kids because I don't have kids. And back then, we figured we don't have that option. Now we can contemplate having kids. Right. But I'm not in that space. Mm. You know? And I'm like, I don't care for cars. I don't care to be seen in a car. Mm. Yeah, I like walking, mm. you know. So I'm, I'm, I was already not part of that regular conversation where it's talk about cars, talk right. about kids. I'm like, I'm not there. Right. And then somehow I just started meeting people and realizing, and Kenyans, well, I'm, I'm not alone. I'm like, oh, so you... So mm. And I said, a whole new set of friends started emerging. I wasn't out-out, but I was like... If anyone asked me, I was not gonna lie. I was gonna tell them. Um, and then I worked, you know, I worked at the BBC and I had a fantastic editor who sort of understood. He knew other gay men, queer, gay, 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 gay men and other. Right. And he's like, just whatever, man. You're who you are. I love that. And you're a journalist. Mm -hmm. So you work. I'm gonna judge you against your on your work and not on your sexuality. Yeah. Right. So I could, I could present myself wholly in the workplace. Yeah. So I think it's important. We used to have these risk assessment forms and mm -hmm. at that time, I, I, it was such a joy to be able to put my next of kin in case anything happened as my boyfriend right. and my brother. Right. Because my boyfriend is the person I was, I was with every day. Right. You know, I'm like, they mm -hmm. deserve to know. And then, you know, you deserve to know and then the family also deserve to know. These are the mm -hmm. two people you need to tell. And no one questioned, oh, it's a Jama's name, like, mm. yes. And then you're like, yeah, put, you know, then I put boyfriend or partner, so that then, right. and I had managers like, okay, yeah, so, fine. Good, yeah. So I was able to 
for this is why it's important to wholly present yourself. So that even when you're going to see a doctor, like I have an itch like this because of this, yeah. and you can tell there's them no secret, there's right? no secret, so yeah. that you'll be able to get treatment for mm. the thing that is ailing you. So creating safe spaces. So mm. for me, it was a journey of creating safe spaces for myself, and I started meeting other people who are also gay and who may not have traveled, but had managed create spaces for themselves wow. and community here in Kenya. That mm. was really empowering. And mm. like, I'm no longer alone. And there are many of us in this way. You know, and somehow activism popped in that way. I remember reading Elin Harris, is an African-American writer. In the UK, I'd never read queer literature. And I was reading African-American queer literature. I'm like, oh, wow. I read, I read his, his series, all his books in record time. Yes, because you have characters you can identify yes, with. Yes, and it's yes. black love. And you're seeing like, exactly. Well, we weren't reading. This was early, this was early, early notice, 2006. Mm. That was Kwani was coming up. Mm. African writers right. were coming up. We're reading about African love. Mm. Black African love. Mm. And now we're reading about queer love. You know, it was African American. I remember reading Kwani mm. when I came back and I'm like, Oh my, oh my God! God. I can be. Powerful days. Kwani was powerful. Yeah. Kwani made me realize I would survive Kenya. Yeah. Yeah. I remember telling Binya oh, it created. Be, yes. I'm like, I can be myself in mm. this Kenya because you guys have done this work. Right. I'm indebted to Binya and the founders and that and, the, and that cohort of individuals right. who thought of Kwani. Thank you so much. You made me realize I could be myself in my country. Wow. And, and they built. They are part. They have been responsible in building this person who sit right. sitting in front of you. They made me realize I could survive mm. being a free thinker, being gay, being being a lover of social justice, being a creative. They made me realize I could be Kenyan. And that's what led you. Then you became an activist. You founded the Out Festival. That co-founded, has co-founded. Co-founded. Yes. co-founded sorry, yes. uh, um, the Out Festival that has been has also given an avenue to other LGBTQ people to come out and be. Tell us about that and the impact of that as you see it now. Sometimes it's, it's a beautiful thing I tell people about the Art Film Festival was not just the movie, but the conversations that we would have. You know, in the initial days, you know, we'd have mm. an auditorium of maybe 10, 12 people. But, you know, the power of people, like, we're watching queer film in Kenya. That's I can kind of see, I can see, I can see my kind of love. It may mm. not be Kenyan, there's very little, very little African culture. Uh, but like, oh, wow. And our struggle, it was in- interesting, initially when I was curating that, that list, it was important to show other movements, other struggles. Right, so like that, in the U.S. So that, yes, just yeah. some people, it's not us Africans who are, this is a journey. And I remember that time we had a gentleman, a film director from Switzerland who came in and said, in a particular canton that was so conservative, mm. the hurdles they had to overcome. Like, but go Switzerland. It's and a journey. Like, yeah, people were like, oh my God, so it's not just us. Yeah. And then over years, I remember there was one group, there was a, one year there was a group of Somali guys who came in and like, these are four Somali guys who may have, I don't know how they heard about this festival, but they'll come in and out. You're start starting to see people who are black, who are brown, who are mm. white, who are like, I'm beginning to see community. And then it just grew when we started having panel conversations after the film yes. festival. At the height of it, we were having the same number of people watching the film festival and the same number of people staying for the panel discussions. Yes. So when the panel, sometimes the panel discussions start at nine. And people stayed. There. there was and no we were, Yeah, and we were able to talk about our own 
realities, you know? And people were like, these are Kenyans, these are, these are other people. People started seeing themselves. And you know, it became, you're seeing people openly wearing rainbow flags or just being themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I remember one time walking in that auditorium and it was full, I'm like, these are Kenyans. These are young, queer individuals. And they're here. They've come to see themselves. And I'm grateful I was given that opportunity where they could to create a space where they could see themselves. You know, the work that you've done, there's still a long way to go. What more would you like to see, especially in seeing Africans come out and be themselves? I think that's the important thing. It's not about coming out being It's just being true to who you are. Interesting, there's a young man who um, somehow we become friends. I was meant to mentor him on podcasting mm. and he's also queer, mm. you know, and then this is what he told me this morning. I don't know whether I'm answering your question directly. Mm-hmm. He says your generation, he's on the same age as his, as his, as his mother. Wow, that makes me feel old. And, you know, and he's <laughs> like, and he had one of the things like, why, why can't my mom see me the way you see me? Oh. So he tells me stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I, I'm just trying to like, just be a good child, be mm-hmm. one of them, but right. also honor yourself. Right. But he told, this was, I think he told me this this morning on a voice note, he's like, your generation is so binary. It's either you're on one end, and then you're the other end. And this, I'll try and quote him verbatim, like, mm. Kevo, when my folks, when now my mom is 60, or in that age, that is when they will start coming out because they've seen us live our truth. And he's like, there are so many parents, like, he's like, I'm waiting for all these parents who've repressed themselves when they've seen how we've lived, that they will come out. For him to actually have that insight saying, my folks, they're like, he's like, there'll be so many of us whose parents will come out as queer when we are your age. They'll have like, I've lived this life for 50 years, this life for 50 years, no more. No more lies. No more lies. Mm. And, he, and he knows because of we, because his generation mm. is living their truth. And he asked me a question, is there a support group for people like my mom or for parents? Imagine this young man is thinking of his parents. He's thinking How of us. He? He's in his twenties, early twenties. So he's like, is there a group so that our folks who who have queer kids can speak to one another yeah, right. so that they know they're not alone? I think that's what's needed actually, right? Yes. Because parents don't know how to deal with yes. it. Like, yeah, where's, where's the support? Yeah, How do I dress? You know, my yeah. I mean I've given birth to a, a a girl who now says, but I felt like a boy and now I'm trapped. What does that mean? What does that mean? How do I support mm. them? Or, eh, help me, I don't know, I'm, mm. I'm struggling. Mm. I would love to see that. I'd love, as, 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 a, as this space is growing, I'd love to see spaces that are there to support the parents and siblings mm. of queer individuals. That's what's needed. Yes. That's what's needed. I'd like to see a space as we grow older, a space where people my age don't have to go back in the closet mm. so that they can feel identity, where we can still continue being ourselves as we advance in right. age. My work I know is far from over. Is there, there's so much more that I don't even know, but I know it is still on that trajectory of being representative of an African queer reality. I keep on telling two Africans first, because we need to see ourselves more, not just in queerness, but in all, spheres to, de- to, de- to debunk the lies that have been told to us or even our lack of representation. Well, like, I'm, I'm black and I can be anyone I want to be. And I want to be, and I think the younger generation is doing that really well. I want to be part of this and I call it an 
a cultural pan-Africanist movement mm. thanks to the internet right. that people are beginning to see their realities yeah. in, across the continent and there's a lot of that happening you know the power of people like when Super was it DSTV or Super Sport was showing African Football League right. and people are like I'm going to watch this league in Zambia yeah. and other Africans are like yeah, yeah. Well, you know and like the, that is powerful where people say I, I, I may not always have to go to Europe to have a professional career Mm. But I can go to Mali. Yes. Because I want to play with this team that I saw right. on TV. Right. You know, where I can be the professional, where I can either have semi professional leagues on the continent, mm. where, where sportsmen are moving within the continent. And that pan Africanism is, 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 is thanks to the internet, through music, through film, mm. through literature, through dance, through even we're seeing through queerness, through right. an exchange of histories and stories. Right. And I want to be part of that. I want to continue being part of that. Mm. And saying, this is our reality. And I think once we're able to own it and know the strength of it, the world will take us a lot more seriously. Right. Where we can go to table and say, us guys deserve to be here. And we are not taking our place, we are retaking our place. Yes. Our place. As Africans. As Africans. Because right. we've had the pyramids of Giza to mm. Kush. We've had Timbuktu, mm. we've had the Mark. great zooms, yes. the great Zimbabwe ruins that have mm. been there for years and you guys mm. have refused to recognize it. But we come, yeah. we are, we, those are our ancestors and we need to start owning right. it. Those are the ancestors yeah. and we are their children. Yeah. Yeah. The same people who built those those right. kingdoms, Mali, Songhai, right. you know, even if it's Gede. As you, you say know, that, my heart just feels uh, it. I'm like, yeah, go on, preach, because... Those are my ancestors, yeah. and I am taking back their place that you mm. took, because it is our time. It is our time. It is our time. I love that. And, it is, and those ancestors are queer, they are... They are, they are Africans, everything. they are yes. everything. everything. You told us we cannot be everything. We could only be either if we were Christian and educated and spoke your right. tongue, but we are coming back not just speaking your tongue, but giving voice to the tongues of yeah. the ancestors who you robbed us of yeah. in our and stories. Back our pride yes. in our place in history. And I there's nothing wrong that. in that. And I yeah. think just the same way, and that is part of our humanity. And mm-hmm. saying we are taking our place alongside, we're retaking our place alongside mm-hmm. everybody. When you look at history, we didn't think of ourselves as better off. Mm. The, the Maharajas were, you know, they're like, they were within their localities yeah. and they were, they were seen as great kingdoms. But the colonizer came and took and suppressed right across. And we've lost and told us that our history, it or anything, between, you know, our traditions were not good enough. As we said, whatever was black was not good enough. Our spirituality was not good enough. Good enough. How we dealt with our women wasn't good enough. I'm not saying it was quick and yeah. clean. There were some elements that weren't great. But there was a history to it. I keep yes. saying there was, there was something behind it. Yes. It wasn't, and no one took the time to study yes. that. Yes, and how we even expressed our feminism or masculinity yeah. Yeah. in us, in our localities, in our cultures. Like, and you know, and our beauty. Yes. Our beauty was good enough, right? And it's still good, good enough. enough. So yeah. we are retaking. That's retaking. What, retaking. I think it is I important for me, and I've just realized it now, it's important that we tell ourselves as Africans that we are retaking, retaking. our place yeah. in here. I love that. I love that. And that's such a wonderful way to end the podcast. We are retaking our place at the table, in the history books, 
And that's why I love your podcast, Nipa Stories, yes, because we are telling our African stories. To and Africans. To Africans. And that's why No Head is It's about telling the African story. What a way to end the podcast. Thank you so much, Kevin. This has been such a joy. Thank you. Well, that's all today in No Head, where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. Thanks for listening. You can also follow me on Instagram at No Head Podcast. Catch you next time, my friend. May you know that you are enough. May you know what your enough is. May you be free to be who you are. And may you create safe places for you and for others. Bye-bye.